Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the latest Coleman Had a Dream, a huge Coleman Had a Dream podcast. Well, the huge, the, the podcast is not huge, I suppose, but the context of the podcast is huge. Um, we are, of course, days away from facing Austria in a huge World Cup qualifying playoff semi-final um, at the Cardiff City Stadium. I am a combination of uh, very excited and constantly feeling sick. Um, I'm joined today, as always, by Ruth. How are you feeling, Ruth? Hiya. Um, more generally, doing fine, thanks. But <laughs> in this regard, in this regard, I've, I've reached that point where my stomach feels like it's in a constant churn whenever I think about it. It's just I can feel the build, that building tension and that building fear and that building nervousness and the butterflies. And yeah, um, yeah, it, it all feels very, very real suddenly, doesn't it? Yeah, it's weird, you know. I was watching the rugby yesterday, and not a big rugby fan, but uh, my wife is so kind of go to the pub and do it, you know. Have it, you know. I'm not not adverse to a day on the beer watching sports, so kind of watching that yesterday. And um, at the end of the match, I was like, oh, well, that was you know, Wales lost, but it doesn't it doesn't particularly bother me. That was you know, I've had a pleasant afternoon, and I was like, oh, what's the next big thing I've got coming up? Oh shit. And I kind of had this dawning realization of what was to come this week, and like obviously I'm excited, but absolutely terrified at the same time so yeah it's uh, it's a huge huge week uh, for Welsh football we're going to talk about the game obviously the squad on our side and their side look ahead at, at Austria just in general a little bit talk about how we think we will set up and, and what we would like to see in the setup um, and lastly we will give our generally useless predictions um to, to jump straight in, Ruth, uh, I think the squad announcement itself wasn't didn't generate many surprises. I mean, the closest I think I could get to a surprise in inverted commas would probably be Will Volks, but he was in the last squad. Um, Rabi Matondo's back in the squad. Obviously, we're missing Moore and Ward due to injury, but to all intents and purposes, there was no real surprises here, were there? I agree. I mean, I think there are a couple of omissions that thank quite interesting not I wouldn't say necessarily a surprise um once you take out you know for obvious reasons no David Brooks no Tyler Roberts Moore and Ward that's four people that would be straight in in a 26 so I think I think because you're at the very least down those four you're kind of um you're we've often talked haven't we about there's half a half a dozen guys that you might perm two or three from half a dozen and yeah. it's it's kind of horses for courses in a particular window that might decide which ones. And I think once you're down these four, that half a dozen probably just all but slides straight into your 26 and you've got less decisions to make. Um, the guy I probably feel most sorry for and perhaps I'm most surprised about is Tom Lockyer's omission. Yeah. Um, I think... I think it's interesting not to have him, not to have James Lawrence when our central D might be one of our kind of, I don't want to say weak because that's not fair on Rodden, but I think perhaps one of the areas of concern. Um, I find it interesting that, yes, you brought Brent Cabango in. I don't think that's a, a bad idea by any means, but I do think it's interesting how few centre-backs we've got. And when we talk about how we're setting up, I'll I'll explore a little bit what what I think might be saying about up. But I do find it interesting that that's where the perhaps the most obvious omissions are for me. I think Tom Lawrence. I know you've definitely got reservations. I've got some reservations, but I think 
for the seasons he's had, I'm kind of surprised he's not included. Um, then you've got people that are perhaps very much more on the fringe, like Matt Smith or or even Isaac Davies down at Cardiff. But overall, I'm with you. I don't I don't think there was anything terribly surprising about the 26. Yeah, I mean to look at the the omissions here. You talk, talked about Lockyer. I, I feel for him. I think he's probably deserving of a place in the squad, as you say, given our centre back situation. He's playing relatively regularly. I think James Lawrence is still. I think he did something. I think he pulled something. They weren't sure if he was going to recover in time. Um, so, right. So I, I, I know I, we played. A, I think it was Friday. Friday he played, um, but maybe that was just as you say. That's part of his recovery, as much as anything. Yeah, and I wonder if he's been included in like a provisional squad type thing. And if anything, if anything happens, he can be drafted in. He was given that game on Friday as an opportunity, maybe to see what he can do. Again, I'm I'm guessing a bit there, but I I can see that being the case. I think the thing for me, I think answers one of our big questions uh, in my mind, which is where Ethan Ampadu plays. Uh, and I think that's probably what you were alluding to when you were talking about the, the defensive players there. I agree about Isaac Davis to an extent, but I think when we're kind of that far down the line, it's kind of much of a muchness in reality when it comes down to it in terms of um, those kind of the players who probably won't make the 23, uh, if, we're being, if we're being brutally honest. Um, I'm glad to see Rabi Matondo back. I thought I thought he's obviously in, in great form at the moment, playing uh, in Bruges. I think he scored nine goals this season overall, which is fantastic. Just to go back to the Tom Lawrence thing very briefly as well. I, again, my um, reservations aside, yes, he did have a great start to the season, but I do think he's kind of dried up a little bit in, in terms of his contributions of late. So I think if he was kind of that continued to glitter, if you like, had he has he had as he had at the start of the season, then maybe it makes it a bit more of a different conversation. I think what's also difficult here, from Page's perspective, and I think seeing the kind of person and coach he is, I think it's probably quite difficult to go through this whole campaign and then bring in someone who's not been part of anything up until this point. Um, I could be wrong. I think Lawrence has maybe been called up for one squad in that time, and but not featured. So I guess maybe there was an element there of it's not worth rocking the boat. All of these lads have done it for me so far all the way along. Mark Harris is, is another example of that, I would say, of someone who's got in because they were there before rather than Isaac Davis. Uh, he's kind of shown his loyalty to them. So I think that's part of that, in, in my opinion. Um, I think the interesting thing, uh, looking, looking at how we might play... Um, is also the midfielders. I was surprised to see Joe Morell uh, called up there. He's obviously going to be available for the friendly. Uh, he's not going to be available for the for the competitive game. Um, so there was an element of me that was surprised that he was there and not Matt Smith, as as you kind of alluded to. Um, but again, I think we're kind of um, much of a muchness there with with a lot of our players in the, in that context, anyway. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think given we we're, we're only going to have one competitive game this window, as it's turned out, and Morell can't play in it. Um, I think I think he's the. I think it kind of hints at the fact that maybe it will be him plus someone playing in the friendly, and Alan will be asked to run round in circles on Thursday, and yeah. you know then put his feet up. Um, so I, I, in that regard, I think it kind of it, it sort of makes it makes more sense now that we we have added the friendly, even if we're still not quite sure what the, you know what yeah. will be happening. Um, I agree with you. I think. Harris is in there because he's been in there. Um, I think um, I'm 
Probably the one that I'm most glad to see back involved that falls into that kind of group is Cabango, because I think he's, yeah. he'll be important for us going forward. So I, I think it's important that he is involved in these squads, even if ultimately he's not even in the 23. I think it's a good time that he's back involved, because I think that's that's going to be an important combination for us, Dan, feel. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, th- there's not really a huge amount much more to say, I don't think, in, in relation to the squad itself. Um, I think it's worth mentioning, whilst we're talking about Wales, obviously, that um, Aaron Ramsey started today and scored a goal for Rangers, which is great. He's got a, a good chunk of minutes under his belt there. Um, he's come through that unscathed. Lots of rumours as well that Gareth Bale is going to play tonight because Benzema can't play uh, for Real Madrid in El Clasico. So that'll be interesting. It'll be great. Um, for him to get some time rather than the kind of two and three minutes he's been getting here and there. Um, just, yeah, your overall thoughts on, on that situation, I guess. I can't decide if I'm really pleased he's getting some time or I'm absolutely terrified that he's going to be on the field. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, I think at the face of it, some, you know, a good 60-minute run out would be exactly what what we'd like to see happen for him but it does it does terrify me particularly when we seem to have got through the weekend yeah i'm I'm not going to say it but we seem to have got through the weekend um so ultimately i think the the 60 minutes let's say could be could be really important for us i think the fact that we're looking at i i don't know quite how i I mean obviously it the situation is what it is and it has to ensure be what it is but I'm, I'm still trying to decide sort of if having one competitive game now is better for us you know just throw everything at it have no reservations not worry about running people ragged as it were I think I think we had a discussion when we were at a point where Ramsey was barely paying Bale was re- barely playing but also a lot of other players were barely playing for their clubs um I think I think I might have seen this one game perhaps as more of an advantage than I'm seeing it now because we've actually sort of swung the other way haven't we a a lot of our players getting actually quite regular time with their clubs at the minute you know Roberts is back is playing for Burnley, Nico's getting time, Wilson's getting time. You know, there, there was points, I don't know, maybe this time last year where we just weren't seeing that. So I, I think, interestingly, I think a one-off game might might not be the advantage that it might have been previously. But all in all, I think, obviously, great news to see Ramsey get some time, get through it, hope something similar happens for, for Bale, everything crossed, and then, you know, reevaluate from there. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I initially thought it's a bonus in the sense that we can throw everything at this one game. Uh, Kiefer Moore will hopefully be back for the next one. Happy days. Um, but then you, the, you're running the risk come June of a lot of tired players, perhaps. Um, you're running the risk of other people getting injured between now and then. Like, OK, we're talking about Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey getting minutes now. They are getting some. Uh, it's not necessarily ideal, but they're not far off. Um and then you're kind of running that risk again come come June. So it's definitely an interesting one from that perspective. I I think ultimately, I personally, on the balance of it, would probably, I'm, I'm probably glad that it's happening the way it's happening. Um, I think it 
gives us a chance to have a free hit at this game almost with no consequences afterwards, which put, gives us an advantage against any other team in the playoffs. Um, there's an element of certainty to what's happening in that we're going to be playing someone in uh, in June. I think it's most likely going to be Scotland, but I think we know what we're doing in that sense. Um, it gives us a longer window to prepare to play against probably Scotland rather than you know, having to deliver changes of shape and, and whatever else or changes of tactics or tweaks to tactics in a, in a short space of time. So I, I do think there are a selection of advantages to it as well. I, it's, it's a tricky one. It's a strange, it's, it is a very, very strange situation. But I think having Kiefer more back, hopefully by June, would be uh, as big a bonus as we could possibly get. So uh, there, there is that angle to it as well. So yeah, it's, 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 it's a funny one, isn't it? But I think ultimately we're all kind of myself included kind of looking a bit too far down the line at that aren't we you know we've just got to focus on Thursday mm. first and yeah and all the other stuff we'll see and um, just as a mention as a nod if you like to the um to the other game uh, what, what, what that may end up being I think we can either play Sweden or the Czech Republic depending on who uh, wins or loses their playoff uh, or Scotland depending on whether we lose our playoff so there's a lot of ifs and buts at that moment so we haven't really well we're not touching on that at all really because we don't really know who we're playing and I don't want to seem disrespectful but it doesn't matter in a footballing context um, I think the one thing I will say is if you can get down to Cardiff City Stadium uh, on Tuesday next week please 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 try and do that so, uh, all the ticket money I think raised is going to a fantastic cause in supporting um victims uh, of the of the war so i think that's a great thing i can't go to the match but i'm going to buy a ticket anyway just to kind of donate so if you can you know if you can't go but maybe can do that i know it's not an easy time for anyone but if you have that availability in your life then i think that would be a, a great idea so yeah um uh, that's just as a as a point to that i guess that we're, we're not covering that uh, because of the circumstance um do you have anything you wanted to add there ruth sorry um, I, I was reading an article that um, a, uh, Noel Mooney had given a, a sort of interview post the latest round of UEFA talks around how to organise June. And, the, the, and it was interesting that he mentioned um, the thing that you raised, which was whether Ukraine could be given a buy into the, the World Cup. And in fairness to him, he sounded quite positive about that in terms of how he and the and and FAW would approach it, and you know certainly wouldn't wouldn't be again that. Um, I think one of the major concerns seemed to be given how um, squashed the is the World Cup with it being within a season. You know, getting those extra games in was very difficult. Uh, but I, I I was pleased to hear that it was at least something that was being considered. Yeah. Well, maybe you know maybe he is a regular listener and uh, and he's taken that to your. <laughs> Uh, on our behalf, so uh, I hope I hope that's the case, uh, Noel. If you're listening, um, to to look at the Austrians a little bit before we focus on our playing positions or whatever, I can't. You know, I don't want to give away my prediction too early here because I'm sure people really give a shit about that. But I, um, I, it, the Austrian squad is quite a strange one in a way. I think because when you look at that list, Alaba, Anatovic, Baumgartner, Dragovic. Lubacic, Sabitza, Lazaro, bloody hell, they've got some good players in there, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> I think what the funny thing is is that then the the flip side of that is they also the other the others, if you like, yeah, they're playing in you know the Austrian league, which is you know a, a decent standard, but there's not kind of big names. There's definite kind of gettable holes, if you like, in in what I think will end up being their team. So, um, 
it's a really interesting squad, I think, and it's worth looking at some of their players. Like Anatovic, for example, I think has scored uh, a decent amount of goals this year playing for Bologna. Um, there's some real threat in uh, Valentino Lazaro, who uh, I, I know a little bit about. He, he came on loan to Newcastle a couple of seasons ago, and he was inconsistent because he was younger, but he was super skillful, very, very good finisher, very quick, very dynamic, very direct. Um, we, they've got some real players that we can we can be afraid of there, you know? Go. They are very experienced, Dave. When you look at, you know, the number of caps they've got, um, I think they're quite hard and quite seasoned. Uh, you could say that about us as well, in fairness. I think they've obviously got a leaning towards the German, the German Bundesliga. Uh, um, and I, they... They, they, they strike me as a team that's kind of very familiar. They know what they're doing and they know what they're about and they know how to do it. That sounds somewhat obvious, but they seem quite structured and quite organised. So looking at how they played against Italy in the last 16 of the Euros, for example, one of my favourite games of last summer's tournament actually um they they held their own all the way into the extra time but then ran out of steam particularly when the italians brought on substitutes some substitutes chiesa came on for example scored the first for them um so i think i think one advantage we may have is is the way we can keep going deep into the last 20 minutes of a game and also the potential that we might be bringing off the bench at that point um i mean i don't want us to get to the point where we're running around in circles in the last 20 minutes of the game i don't think i could stand it but i think that might prove an advantage to us that they got they got a bit leggy against the italians um the i think antonich had a was a header that was disallowed in normal time, which would have put them away. There was certainly something that was disallowed that would have put them ahead. Um, and then I think when the Italians were able to kind of stir the pot and bring some fresh energy on, it was just too much for the Austrians. So I'm, I think that's where our advantage might be. The, the speed and the the tenacity that we, we we seem to have late into games. Yeah, I can I can go with that. I think what's interesting about them for me is their... A, they've kind of topped and t- turned a little bit in how they've played when things got kind of a bit more desperate for a result, if you like. They've they've mainly gone 4-2-3-1. So I wonder how that might change against us. And I say that only because in their game against, I think it was against Israel, they went for a five at the back. Didn't work out well for them. Um, but I think what's interesting is that, that the fact that they have that mentality might mean, I don't know how they... We'll kind of switch that around because looking at it, when they play that four at the back, they're a bit more contained. Yes, they do concede still, but nowhere near with the openness as they have done, especially when they're playing five at the back or three at the back. Equally, the flip side of their four at the back and one up top means they also don't score as many goals. So they're, they're kind of an interesting side in that sense. The Either I would go at you, they'll know they'll concede a couple, but they back themselves to score a few. Or... They've just, they'll decide, as they did in the Italy game that you mentioned there, for example, and a few others, like they did against Scotland, they'll be tighter and more compact at the back, playing the four at the back, but they recognise that that'll kind of lose them goal-scoring opportunities, perhaps. So, what for example, they lost to Scotland 1-0, very tight game. Um, so, I, I do wonder 
how they're going to set up against us. I think that is a really, really interesting thing. I think we're pretty much set with what we're going to do. So there's there's that element. The other thing I wanted to mention about the Austrians, there's well, there's two things actually. Their manager has only lost eight games uh, as a manager since 2018, um, which I thought was quite a staggering statistic actually. Um, I also noticed that they're kind of like win-loss record at the moment um wikipedia have a very lovely colored chart which uh which does nothing for my potential ocd but um it's it's really interesting in that they've gone since uh yeah in the last year basically they've gone win win loss win loss loss win loss win loss win draw loss loss win l- draw so like it's 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 a proper it's a proper mix uh, in terms of their kind of results of late. Sorry, I've, read, I've just realized I read those backwards, but this, you, you get my point. Um, obviously, some of those are kind of big losses, if you like. They lost to England, they lost to the Netherlands, um, they lost to Italy. So, you know, there are some big scalps in there as well, but they've also in that time lost to Scotland, Israel, a narrow defeat to Denmark. So it's, you know, and also got hammered by Denmark in that time as well. So they're a real mixed bag, and I just... I just don't know what to make of them. Like, even watching some highlights to try and get an idea of where we could be vulnerable to things that they do or we could have opportunities against them, I just don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. they would either score a lovely team goal and then they'd concede a hilarious goal or someone would score a worldie against them or someone would make a mistake and then they would just dink a box into the you know, ball into the box and from out of nothing, someone's kind of controlled it on their knee and well, wellied it in. Like, they just seem so weird and it just it really freaks me out. I don't think there's any one thing, which is exactly, I'm sure, why people tune into this podcast. I don't think there's one <laughs> thing that, that I can kind of say about them, just like they're weak there or they're great there. Because it just seems completely hit and miss. When they're good, they're good. When they're bad, they ship goals, and you know it's a bit of a shambles. I don't, I don't really know what mm-hmm. to say. It's so, it's so weird. Uh, they're a very, very odd team, I think. Um, so I think you know we're talking. Oh, what where I say we people in Wales in general are talking about how we're kind of you know I don't want to say got this game in the bag, but people are kind of talking about how you know the final in June, and you know. It's very much not the foregone conclusion that I think a lot seem to be. And yes, you know, they did have a disappointing campaign um, up to this point. They came fourth in the campaign. They still won four games, I think, or, f- or five games, I think. In five. That. Five, sorry. Five, yeah. You know, they, they obviously they lost four. That was their downfall. So, it, you know, they're of, like I say, I think, again, that kind of proves my point in consistency. They, they just don't seem to know which Austria team are going to turn up. They've made four squad changes today as well. Andreas Weinmann uh, was one of the players that has come in. Uh, who's playing very, very well at Bristol City. So, again, just, you know, just such a, 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 a difficult squad, I think, to get a hold of. And I would guess, looking at what that is going to be like for Rob Page and his team, obviously they're much better at analysing football matches than I am. But I would imagine that that is probably part of the difficulty uh, in, in terms of how they kind of set up the squad, a seamless link there, um, in, in terms of how they pick their starting eleven. Um before I move on to the potential starting 11s, have you got anything else you want to add about the Austrians? I My concern is that they do seem to be able to lift themselves for big games. Yeah. And it might end up that they, they end up winning them, but they don't get thrashed either. Yeah. Like they barely lost to Scotland 
I know they had a bad defeat against the Danes, but in the other game against the Danes, I think it was I think it was one nil to the Danes. Yeah. Um, they they went toe to toe with Italy right to the end. Even when Italy were two nil up in the extra the extra thirty minutes, they came back and, and got a goal. So they, their heads didn't drop. So I think that they. I do think they have a capacity to lift it on the odd occasion. I don't think it's a consistent lift, but I do think they're able to do that. And and so that, I think, might be the biggest issue on Thursday is, as you said, they're somewhat schizophrenic. I think it's which iteration of Austria we see. <laughs> and if it's Austria, if it's Austria at its best, then then we're then we're going to have a hard, a hard game, yeah. undoubtedly. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? I bet uh, I bet a selection of other Welsh football podcasts uh, who we will not name uh, will not be referring to the Austrians as schizophrenic <laughs> uh, in their in their pre-match build-up. I would imagine. Who knows? Maybe they will. Maybe you can get that kind of content elsewhere as well. I don't know, but I think I think that's something you can just get here at Coleman Had a Dream. That sort of high quality analysis. Um, <laughs> um, I just I yeah. I mean. They are an, an odd team, I think is the best way to say it, you know, and to go with that, they lost 5-2 to, to, to Israel in Haifa as well. So it's, yeah, it's going to be very, very interesting on, on Thursday and I and I just can't get my head around you mess it, men, you know, mentioned your stomach going up and down already. I, I'm, I'm not far behind you there and having this conversation is not particularly helping me. Um, I think uh, what we should do, Ruth, is talk through how we think, rather than how we would line up, uh, if you or I were in charge, what a terror, terrifying thought that is. Um, but more how we think Rob Page will 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 start. I don't want to go through the team uh, player by player necessarily because I think there's some things that are very much a given. I would say, for example, Wayne Hennessy is going to start in goal. Ben Davis is going to play. Joe Rodden's going to play. Uh, Joe Allen's going to play. Ethan Ampadu's going to play. Bale, James. There's some people we just know. There's just some tweaks within that, I think, which are going to make it interesting. And again, we're kind of all assuming that we're doing the the three five two five two three whatever whatever uh, whatever you five three two whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, so let's let's kind of go through. I assume we both think that Wayne Hennessy is going to start in goal. Yes. The yes. big, the big question there, realistically, then, is going to be who plays along by, on uh, alongside Ben Davis and Joe Rodden. Re- our, our options are Cabango, Mepham, and Ampadu. So, of those three, rather than what you would do, what do you think is going to happen? I think it'll be Ampadu. To be honest, that's what I'd do as well. Um, I, 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 I think we discussed this maybe about a month ago. The, di- the dilemma is five at the back and still wanting to play all the people you want to play further up the field and you end up with this situation where Joe Allen's on his own. I think that's fundamentally where my my kind of uncertainty, unsettledness is. I mean, I, I think if you're going for a back five, I think they do kind of pick themselves. I think it's... Ampadu and Rodden and Davies across the middle and Connor Roberts and Nico Williams. So assuming your plan is for five at the back, I think those five kind of pick themselves. I think they're sort of head and shoulders above other options at the minute as a nation. As a the difficulty for me, and as I said, I think the bit that unsettles me is if you assume that you want to play Ramsey, Bale, James and Wilson, and I think it's very hard not to make a case to play those four at the minute, then you're kind of left with Joe Allen as the only sort of clear-cut 
holding midfielder and that just makes me nervous but I think fundamentally I don't want to cut I think it would be Wilson might be the first of those four that you'd consider cutting I don't want to cut him either and put a more standard holding midfield player next to Joe particularly when Joe Morell isn't available because I think that partnership's become quite important as well so Overall, I, I'm left with this kind of uneasy situation where I have Joe Allen on his own. I, It's so tough, isn't it? I don't think, for me, as good as Wilson has been this season, I think you have to play the game, not the, not the person. And mm-hmm. I think they very clearly like to pack the midfield and that's where they try and dominate and win that. And if we leave Joe Allen to sit and hold on his own, we're going to get murdered in there. It's, it's as simple as that. And I, I love the idea of us playing two eights and let's all, you know, imagine this lovely little dream world where Ramsey and Wilson dip in and, you know, and put their, you know, put a real shift in. It's not going to happen. And that's nothing against those players. They're just not that kind of player. And I think if we do that, we might, we might get destroyed. I think for me, I would put, and again, we're talking about what we think will happen. I think, mm-hmm. I think, Ampadu has to start in midfield. He has to. Because if Cabango comes in and plays centre-half in his absence, let's say, then that's still very, very strong. If Ampadu plays in defence, then next to Allen, we're looking at Volks or Dylan Levitt. I think, yeah, I think it would be Levitt and of that, those two. And that jump then... From Cabango in a back three, which Cabango, Rod, and Ben Davis back three still looks very, very solid to me. And then you've got Ampadu and Joe Allen holding in midfield with the others around them. Well, all of a sudden things look a lot firmer there. If you're telling me mm-hmm. that Allen is going to play alongside Dylan Levitt in a game this big, I mean, to me that that just screams a terrible decision. <laughs> um, and and as a consequence, I. I'm now talking about what I want to do. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ampadu will play in a back three. I, I just, in that case, I just don't see who comes in alongside Morel. I think it probably will be Levitt, but, you know, the boy's playing well. He scored a goal on the weekend as well. Uh, I, I just don't think in a game this big, having not started a Wales game for a long time, certainly not competitively, I should have researched this beforehand, but... I just don't see him being able to come in and make an impact in that way. I just don't see it. And I think that is their strength, is overawing teams in midfield with that kind of two and the three. Mm-hmm. And 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 people running off the centre forward. And I just don't see I just don't see us being able to get at them if if, if Levitt's there as well. I, I think that's what probably will happen. To to kind of conclude, I assume we both think that Bale and uh and Dan James will be the the starting pair up front. I don't really think there's any other kind of discussions elsewhere in the team then, are there? No. I mean, I think it's there's a question about whether you, assuming you have the four that I've been talking about, whether you pull Ramsey back and ask him more overtly to partner with, with Alan. Um, I'm not sure it's a great use of him. I, I can see your argument that Ampadu is more tailored for that. And, and hence then it would be Cabango in the back three. Um, I just, this is the bit that, that I'm really unsettled about, Dave. I think I'm I'm with you. It concerns me that we might be picking players rather than 
playing the opposition. And I think um, I can still see us starting with Wilson and Ramsey and Bale and James front. And maybe it's Ampadu has to step up and support Alan or Nico comes in from the from the left and plays a bit, you know, perhaps not obviously as a left wing back in the, in the sense we've grown used to, perhaps comes inside a little bit um, and supports Alan there. I don't, I don't know. I'm, this, is the, this is the part of the field that leaves me uneasy and it's so crucial. Oh God, even talking about this, I feel so sick. <laughs> this is shit. Why am I looking forward to this? Why do we do this? Why can't, why, why can't I like be a squash fan? Um, I, I've got an outlandish suggestion and mm-hmm. and I say this because two reasons. Rob Page does like a bit of a surprise when it comes to 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 starting teams. I wonder if given the way that we're playing at the minute, the issues we have in certain positions or in certain areas, he might try and match up with them. So, if you look at it objectively, I can see a world where Joe Rodden and Ben Davis, I had a complete blank there, uh, Ben Davis start together as a as a starting pair at centre-back with Nico Williams as a left-back and Connor Roberts as the right-back, even though it's not their most natural positions in terms of they like to be a bit more wing-backy. Um, I, I think that could work. I think that gives you the chance then to have Ampadu and Allen as the two holders. And then I think Bale plays up front. And then I think you have the chance to have James, Ramsey and Wilson, all three playing. Then I think everyone is in their best positions and their best spots. The question and the difficulty becomes, we haven't played like this for a long time. And the last time we did do this, it was with Kiefer up front. It kind of didn't work. And then we tried the false nine approach and that didn't particularly work either. So that that is the thing that is in my mind. But I wonder if Rob Page might be thinking, given the gaps we have in certain areas, how can I, if you're looking at it that way, to get those best four players on the pitch or those best 11 players arguably on the pitch. Is that the best way to do it? And he just will say to himself and his team and the ma- and the players, right, lads, it's absolutely let's match them up. You win your battle, we win this game. And we, we kind of play them in that system and bank on the fact that we've got better quality than them, home advantage, crowd, all that other stuff. Um, and that is the that's what gets us over the line. That is my alternate suggestion. And because we've been surprised with these things in the past, I've learnt not to actually be surprised and think mm-hmm. about what are those alternatives might be. So that is my alternative suggestion. Please feel free to uh, to shoot me down. I don't think that's as far-fetched as you might be framing it, Dave. Um, I think... I think the dilemma is... Okay, let's say let's say you start from the fact that you want to have two holding midfielders. Let's say that's the basis of how you want to organize the team. Then it's a balance, isn't it? You're going to have five behind the ball at that point and three in front, or you're going to have four and four. And I don't think that scenario of four and then two holders and four sort of attackers, as it were, is so strange. 
Roberts in particular, I think is, although you're right, he's more obviously a wing back. I think he's okay as a, a, a right back. I think having Ben Davis next to Nico, kind of a little bit, help him through that. You've got Ampadu to, to slot in, like on set pieces, corners, that sort of thing. You can say to him, okay, under those circumstances, want you to behave a bit more like a third central defender and at that point Ramsey is sort of patrolling the edge of the box with Allen closing people down and that sort of thing and you know so I think you could you could come in with a a scenario where four at the back might not be such a wild idea given and and given where the the Austrians have got their strength theirs is very much a strong spine isn't it straight up the middle so I think I think that might be all the more of an argument in this particular game. Well, what that making sure you've got two strong holding midfielders is the key to this game. I mean, it's a minefield, isn't it? Because yeah, it, you know, there's so many ifs and buts, and then you're saying, well, maybe Ben Davis is actually playing a little bit out of position. Do you want Nico Williams as a genuine left back? Maybe Reese Norrington to do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And the wheels start turning yeah. there, or we. Um, Ben Davis goes out to left back and it's Rodden and Mepper and Cabango. Well, then it's the same problem and, you know, and so on. So I, I yeah. appreciate we could have this conversation forever um, and we'd probably still be wrong uh, as well. <laughs> I, I think ultimately, though, whatever we choose in terms of setup and positioning and, and the way we approach the game, I think it's so important, whatever system we choose, that we pick up where we loft off against the Belgians and press them and push them and go after them and go at them because okay mm-hmm. they they managed to score a very good goal against us and we did leave them a few spaces for some very talented players but there's two factors to that they don't have someone as good as Kevin De Bruyne for one they have some good players but not Kevin De Bruyne good and the yeah. second thing is is if we get after them even if they score I still think we would be able to go and score one or two or or whatever on the night and I think that's mm-hmm. the big difference there is that I think we if we play the right way and go after them, all the other stuff doesn't matter to me. I'd love to be right about it all, but like the reality is I just want us to go and win the game. And I think if if that that high press sort of thing is the way we're going to do that, in my opinion. So I think regardless of the setup, that's the big thing I think I want to see on, on Thursday is that kind of let's go and win the game. Let's not sit in, you know, let's not wait. Let's go and hassle them. Let's harry them. Let's press them and turn over the ball in high areas and let's see if we can get an early goal at them. The crowd will be raucous and, you know, that's the sort of thing that gets people going even more. I think it could be something really quite amazing if if that's how we do it. And I think ultimately we've talked about the Austrians and how we might set up and all this other stuff. Really, I think that is the key to the game in my view. I think you're right in so much as we've got to make home advantage actually a home advantage yeah. for us on Thursday. I think that the lads have worked so hard to make this a reality that if they if they come out and they're playing a sort of def- defensive hang on as though they were, you know, I don't know, playing away, then I don't think that. Um, that is going to draw the crowd. I mean, I'm sure the crowd will be wonderful, but that's not going to draw the crowd in in a way that it would if they, if they were on the front foot. Um, I'm with you in that, I think, as much because there hasn't been a huge amount of time to do anything different. I can see a situation where um, it's basically, I know Morel isn't 
available, but basically the the, the eleven that was set up against the the Belgians. Um, obviously, Hennessy is in rather than Ward. Um, I think, you know, Ampadu didn't start in that game. So even if you literally just take Morel off and put Ampadu in instead, if that's all you do, it yeah. would mean it would mean starting with a three at the back of of Mepham and Rodden and Davies. But I wouldn't be surprised if basically we pull that eleven into this, you know, as much as we can put put that eleven into into this game. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. So so you think we will end up starting Mepham at centre half with Rodden and Davis, and then. Or do you do you do you think it'll end up being Levitt in midfield and Ampadu playing centre back? I would I would think I would favour putting Ampadu at at centre back. Sorry, Ampadu with Allen, just because I think is more familiarity with putting Mepham again next to Rodden. The the honest answer is I don't know because I keep coming back to the. I think one of the fundamental questions is: Are we going for five or are we going for? for four and I think you end up um you end up up losing one of Wilson Ramsey Bale and James in this in this kind of shuffle um I do think we're going to go five at the back I think I, I just think we're too we're too enamored makes it sound like it's it's not the right way to be but we've become um, more offensive using wing backs, and I think that's too much of an advantage for us not to use Roberts and Nico Williams the way they they can be used. And if you're going to let them run wild, as it were, then you've then you've got you've got to have three in the middle, really. And so I think you end up with this dilemma of: Do you want Alan with a partner? Or, or do you want Wilson? I think it might be as fundamental a choice as that. And the the way we started against Belgium, although yes, we had more up front, but we we started with a partner for Allen. And I think I think that's if we're doing what I favour, I think that how I'd rather start the game and know that you've got some real impact on the bench if it if it comes to it. I think it's really difficult though the way Wilson has been playing not to play him. I think there's a I think there's a real kind of tug in that. Yeah, I I, I get that. It, it is so hard. And I, you know, mm-hmm. and I think what's difficult as well is that our options in the back row are, are so limited. Like Chris Mepper for example, hasn't been in the last 3 squads for for Bournemouth. Yeah. Has not played since he came on against Stoke. Um at the end of February. Even then, that was his first appearance. I mean, he's made that one appearance since the end of yeah. January. So, you know, I'm yeah. not I'm not Mepham's biggest fan either. I I, I don't want to slag him. He's done very well for us, but he, he's he's prone to an error. I'm not sure I trust him in in in, in a big game yeah. like this, which does make the and it might thing be that that's why why Cabango's in. You know, just so you can have a look at how the pairings work in training, and if you know, if Mepham clearly isn't really match fit and ready to go, at least you, at least you know Cabango is in that regard. Yeah, I, I, if it, if there's two things there. I think Cabango, in my opinion, is a better all-around footballer. I think um, mm-hmm. his his aerial ability is good. He's so physically strong that I I think he 
uses that um, in such a good way. I think he's a better passer of the ball than Mepham as well. I think you're, the thing against him would maybe be experience. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's only 21, 22, I think. Um, but, I mean, he's he's played a lot for Swansea. So, you know, if Ampadu does end up being a midfield, then Cabango would be my third in in that in that three, if I were picking the team. Um, I think that would be my, what I would prefer to see would be Ampadu and Allen and then Cabango, Davis, Rodden as the, as, as the, as the back three. Mm-hmm. But I'd like, like I said, we can kind of talk ourselves in circles with this all night. I mean, it's, the, it, we're, we're kind I don't of, think we could. I think we can, we have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Very true. Well, on that note, uh, let's move along to uh, other things equally just as terrifying. Um, I, I had forgotten, which is stupid, but I'd forgotten until recently that obviously this game can go to penalties. Um, yep. And um, that is absolutely terrifying. Um, I don't. I was thinking about this earlier. I, as a Newcastle fan, in my memory, and I could be wrong, but I think Newcastle have only played a very limited number of penalty shootouts. Never mind in my lifetime, just ever. One of them was we lost a hull in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal, I think it was. We played Newport again, uh, on penalties uh, recently as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a memory that we played Watford on uh, in a cup competition where they went to penalties and we lost that as well. So my like on a personal level, I'm a very superstitious person. And my personal record, as if I'm there taking the penalties myself, um, is is very poor. Um, have you have you got any better stories to share in this particular regard? No, <laughs> oh. I actually don't think I actually don't think I've been in a circumstance where I've genuinely, absolutely being invested in a penalty shootout, if that makes sense, you know, like where it's reached the point where it's anything other than this is entertainment. Um, And you might have ended up pulling for a particular team just for the sake of it, because it's very difficult to watch a game and not not get dragged in and favour one team or the other. But I don't think I've had the investment that could potentially be in this game before. Yeah, I mean, I think the closest I've got is... Uh, desperately trying to find Italian heritage uh, in the summer mm-hmm. just gone by, and uh, yeah, I felt very invested in the Italians beating England. Obviously, so maybe maybe my record is is on the up. Um, I, 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 I had a, I had a great time. Um, the, the summer that Italy beat Brazil was that two thousand and four in uh, the Italian section of in the Italian section of. Uh, of uh, Boston, that was fun. That was that at least went the right way. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I mean, looking at it, I, if it goes to penalties, of you know, the drama aside, I wonder how that'll work for us because Kiefer Moore's a very good penalty taker, but he's obviously not there. Gareth Bale has taken a penalty, and the most recent one, obviously scored against um, Belarus, but obviously we all have memories of. Uh, of the summer as well against Turkey. Mm-hmm. Aaron Ramsey's a good penalty taker. Happy with that. I reckon mm-hmm. just on the basis of how good a set piece Harry Wilson takes, he's, I mean, I've never seen him take a penalty, but he must be pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully he'll be on the pitch by then. 
I've never seen Dan James take a pen. He took one for Manchester United against Villa, uh, Villarreal in that um, Europa final last, must have been last May, mustn't it? I'm and gonna... he scored his oh, okay. and took it. That's good. I'll took it that. fine. Um, I I would suspect I again I fought on this, but I would I would suspect Connor Roberts has probably got a good penalty. Um, nice. Maybe Nico. Um, I actually I noted down six names, which was Ramsey, Bale, James, Wilson, Nico Williams, and Connor Roberts, and I think. It, I suspect it might be as much as who's still on the pitch after the 120 at that yeah. point. I I feel like Joe Allen is very technically good, so I think he would mm-hmm. take a good pen. Um, I feel like Ethan Ampadu would just try and kick the ball as hard as humanly possible. <laughs> uh, I feel like like Joe Rodden would try and like slide on his face to try and head one in. Um, I, I can see that happening as well. Um, it's To be honest, that is the thing that... Uh, that worries me most. I'm not one of these people as a general rule who kind of says like, I can't watch when my team has a big penalty or for, or whatever. But I will say I, I've never been in a stadium when my team have been in a penalty shootout. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know how I am going to deal with that. I'm as, as you are well versed, I'm not very good at when we, when we're watching the match, like in those 90 minutes itself, um, a dislocated shoulder uh, is 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 proof of that, but it's. I mean, I. It's just going to be such a, a crazy uh, moment if it goes to that, and obviously, please God, don't let that happen. But it's when you actually start thinking about these things, it's absolutely <laughs> terrifying, isn't it? And I feel like I feel like I'm yeah. like, I'm not sure if I'm going to miss my flight on purpose on Wednesday. Uh, so, like, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. Um, what what are your plans for the game? What are you going to do to watch it? Well, it's on here, but it's on um, the online ESPN. It's not on like normal cable ESPN. Uh, okay. Um, so I, I, I'm just going to, kind of see if there's any of the bars here in in town that might be open to putting it on uh, putting it on but it's going to be harder for them because it's the online version so i I suspect i mean i'm going to be in town here watching it quite how is another is another matter matter are you what time is kickoff there it's lunchtime it's quarter to one lunchtime okay so bars will be open at least so worst comes to worst you can take your laptop in and watch it on your laptop yeah yeah uh, yeah. yeah, well, I uh, I'm I'm flying back on Wednesday. Um, gonna go for a beer with me, ma'am, when I get in on Wednesday, which would be nice. Uh, a few of us going for a bit of lunch and then uh, and wandering around the streets. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be 19 degrees and not a cloud in the sky on Thursday. That's what I've been told. I'll believe that when I see it. But um, <laughs> what what a glorious day to uh, to sit around and uh, and talk about football for seven hours while drinking Guinness. I think that sounds uh, that sounds like the highlight of the day, if I'm being perfectly honest. But yeah, looking forward to the match and to being able to go to a game like this is is heartbreaking. It's tough. Sorry, I say heartbreaking there because. There's two people I wanted to mention. My, I, I don't know whether the, uh, these lads listen, but a, a friend of mine, uh, Fatty Hugh, uh, he texted our group to say that he got COVID today. Uh, he's one of the lads who's oh, going no. with us, so he he can't come. Um, and uh, another pal of mine, Cheapo, who's not missed a home game in about 15 years, he reckons. Um, he got it last week. So the day 
that he will do his second, hopefully second negative COVID test will be Thursday. So he's hoping mm-hmm. for a negative test on Wednesday and a negative test on Thursday so that he can be able to go to the match. So uh, just to mention to, to my two pals there, so finger, obviously I hope, Fatty Hugh, I hope you get better soon, mate, but hopefully hopefully Chipo can get himself to the match uh, as well. So uh, fingers crossed. And, and same to everyone out there. Look after yourselves this week. Don't uh, you know? Don't go anywhere you don't need to go before the match, <laughs> uh, and uh, and yeah, keep keep everyone out of trouble. The last thing we want is people uh, who, who can't go to the match. Uh, so I may even have a spare ticket, uh, which uh, which will be interesting. But anyway, that's uh, that's by the by. I'm proper waffling now. I think I'm because I'm really nervous. <laughs> I'm really nervous about this. I'm just trying to kind of talk about something else um, uh, than anything else. It's also my niece's second birthday celebrations uh, of the weekend, which is another reason to go back. So yeah, exciting times in my household. I'll shut up now. Um, the the big question, Ruth, that literally no one who listens is interested in. Uh, what is your prediction? Um, I can't, I really, I don't want to say because I feel like I'm like, do I, I don't, don't know. Dave, don't ask me to say this game of all games. Don't ask me, to, don't ask me to do this because it's just, we've been doing this. I've done, I've just, years, I've on. just done this too many, t- these sorts of games at home with this pressure just too many times i'm like i um, okay if i'm gonna have to say something austria in extra time because then that <laughs> oh fucking hell <laughs> <laughs> um imagine right you've listened to what on my counter at the moment is pretty much 54 minutes of you and I talking to be told that you think we're going to lose an extra time to Austria. Um, I uh, that's not no, that's not what I think. That's what I'm prepared to say. That's what you're prepared to say. Okay, I there's a difference. I both think and I'm prepared to say the weight of history is weighing heavy on my shoulders, and I guess. The thing for me, right, and I've been trying to think about how the best way to word this is. But when I went to that Austria, oh, bloody Austria, when I went to the Russia game in 2003, 2004, whenever that was, you kind of forget because things have been so exciting, like, oh my God, we might do this, we might qualify, da 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 da. And things have gone on such a long way, you, it, it kind of allows you to forget all the other stuff. Because you think this, mm-hmm. like this, might be the time, you know, and we had such a good draw out there, and we came back, and I was so positive, and I think I've told this story uh, before. I bumped into someone as we were kind of queuing up to go into the Millennium Stadium, and and I said, "What do you think the score's going to be?" And he said, "Are uh, oh, we going to beat these four 0 If we can't beat these, we're not. We have no right to get to a tournament." And it was one of those things. I was like, bloody hell, he's right. Yeah, we're going to smash these. This is going to be easy. <laughs> this is going to be one of the greatest nights of my life, and it was absolutely <laughs> harrowing. Um, so I think. For self-preservation purposes, I don't think I'm, I'm, I just don't think I can say the words out loud. I think we'll win. I really, I really don't think we will, and I, I feel horrible saying that. And I, and I, and I, I can't even give you a good reason. I, I feel a bit emotional saying this. Jesus, what sort yourself out? Um, I just. 
it's just such a huge thing and and I just feel like we've been down this road so many times and what's happened recently is erased so much of the bad stuff but there's this like thing <laughs> uh in my in my mind in my head in my stomach at somewhere that I just I don't think I can bring myself to say I think we're going to win, I, and I and I that's that is absolutely ludicrous. You talk about schizophrenic earlier. I, I think I, I might not be far <laughs> off that. I, I, it's such a it's such a weird thing. So yeah, I I think they're going to win it one nil. I think it's going to be like that game against Ireland in two thousand and eighteen, and I feel shit saying it. And I maybe a lot of it is psychological, just to let me get through the next four days. But I've, I've mm-hmm. I I. I've got absolutely everything in the world crossed that I'm wrong, and uh, I just, uh, I just don't know. I just see them nicking it. I just see the weight of this being a bit big for us, um, and them just having that little moment of magic on the day, and you know, and and doing us. Christ, this has got depressing quickly, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I mean, positive. my ultimate thinking is is not dissimilar. I think I'm coming at it a slightly different way. I think I'm so fatalistic about this. I've been fatalistic about these sorts of games since we played Scotland at Anfield. And I'm just, I just can't think about, almost like won't let myself think what a win would mean. And it's only a step after all, isn't it? It's not as though that a win even guarantees us anything. It's a step on the road. Um but I think I have had my fingers burnt so often that I have to come at this almost with a kind of like have the black cloud ready almost because <laughs> I because I can't look for the silver lining, you know. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's a sort of yeah, like I said, fingers burnt too many times on these sorts of games. Uh, I mean, I I don't want to. Um, be ageist Ruth obviously you are uh, you know ever so slightly longer in the tooth than me so have had your fingers burnt in that department maybe once more than I have but I I, I do get it I guess I guess it's a similar thing I will say one thing as as I try and scramble to think of a positive before I you know go and cry uh, until Thursday night but I will say one thing which is all my life all I ever wanted, I'm not even sure I wanted Wales to qualify. I mean, obviously I wanted Wales to qualify, but I wanted Wales to be in a situation where going into the last knockings of qualifying, we played games of football that mattered. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what I think will happen on Thursday night, to be in this situation is what I wanted my life as a Welsh football fan to be, where you're playing really massive games all the time and you're excited and it like loads of people are talking about it and there's a buzz about everything that's happening and people are you know falling over themselves for tickets and uh, you know there's a scramble on for everything and and it's going to be amazing and I can't I I try I allowed myself yesterday to think about singing the anthem and I had to pull myself back in because uh, I, I don't think I was ready to let myself go there just yet. But David Uan is going to be singing Amor Heed before the game. Um, obviously, the anthem will be amazing, as it always is. I'm going to try and get in earlier than normal to, to make sure I kind of soak it all up um, and kind of help the atmosphere build uh, a little bit before the match. But it's, it's such a, a huge moment, and to be in the position where we're competing for things 
and to have a real chance of going to a World Cup is is genuinely beyond what I realistically ever thought would happen. I never thought we'd go to one Euros, never mind two, the semi-final, all that stuff, getting out of the group last time, and here we are on you know on the doorstep of a World Cup is 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 absolutely phenomenal. So to finish on a on a positive note, what come what may, this is the life I wanted as a Wales fan. So I'm I'm just so excited about Thursday. I'm so looking forward to it and. You know, having a day with my pals and and getting down to the match and singing the anthem and you know, it's it's something so special that we've wanted and wanted and wanted and wanted. So uh, to be in this position, I think is is amazing to me. So that is the positive I'm taking. Come what may, I think this is how I wanted my life as a Wales fan to be, and it's happening. So I'm I'm very very lucky to be going. Very very excited, and uh, let's hope we beat these Austrians, eh? <laughs> Let's finish on a positive day because it's just like I, I'm I'm with you. I think we've had we've had so many important games over the last six or seven years, and gen and generally they've gone the right way. Yeah. Not all of them, but generally they've gone the right way. So I think I think that sort of you know I I need I need to start listening to like the good voices on my shoulder and not the, yeah. <laughs> not the not the little devil that's there reminding me of too much too many too many missteps um so but I think you know we we seem to be in a good place we've got a crowd that's behind us we've got home advantage we've got a, a team that it's not 100% fit but it's things could be a lot worse than they are um we're pl- game which I I think as of right now feels like a positive um so I think all in all we're in a good place I've just got to kind of let the let the demons go I think and and again I think if you'd have offered me the chance you know to go one more step on that ladder you've got to play Austria realistically Scotland to get to a Mm -hmm. World Cup I would have been buzzing at that prospect and I still am and I still think it's a great chance and I still think we've got a good shot at it and like I say I don't think I'm I think my prediction is more on my mentality of the situation rather than mm-hmm. what I actually think I guess but um do you know yeah, what I, I I think I think it's just going to be a great occasion I think it's going to be a great night and I've just I'm, like I say so excited I've got everything crossed and you know I think the last thing I want to say is that everyone who is going to go to that game on Thursday everyone who's watching at home all over the world everyone believes that that group of players will go out and absolutely give 100% and will absolutely give their complete and utter best um, to to that shirt, to the cause, to the badge, to the crowd, to everyone involved watching all over the place. And and I am, you know, again, so proud to be in, kind of involved in this moment and, and everything else. I think it's just going to be a fantastic night. So, so excited, really looking forward to it. And, uh, and let's make sure we get the right result. Okay, I think we need to stop. <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gents. Uh, Ruth is calling time on this waffle fest uh, that I'm uh, indulging myself on, so we will call it quits. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We will be back. Um, I don't know when we will be back, um, but we'll be back next week for sure to uh, to discuss this match, the friendly match. Uh, we'll be able to look ahead to a little bit as well, I guess, depending on when we're recording, and, uh, and we'll be back in touch with you very, very soon. Uh, good luck to Wales uh, if you go in enjoy yourselves please if you see the Coleman had a dream flag knocking about as I'm taking that with me please come and say hello um, and uh, come on Wales 
good luck to the lads and uh, and have a great time, Dave. <laughs> I'm not sure. I've, I, uh, I will. I will have a good time. <laughs> Shut up. Okay, I'm going to stop. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, enjoy the game. Good luck. And we'll speak to you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.